Thank you for choosing to listen to this message. At Coastal, we believe in changing and enriching lives through the power of the Word. We pray that this sermon would be a blessing to you. Out of his culture, which he's raised in the Jewish culture, because his dad was a Pharisee, we do know that, and uh, we, we just know he was raised in that Pharisee culture. Uh, we know he's uh, raised in the Greek culture because most everybody spoke Greek, and uh, that was uh, because um, a couple of hundred years before Paul, uh, Alexander the Great came through and conquered the world and left the uh, Greek language there. Uh, for them. Uh, we know that he's raised in a Roman Latin because he's a citizen and they probably spoke Latin in the town in which he was raised in. So we, 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 we try to get some kind of uh, understanding of who he is as a person and a little bit of a feel for that if we can because we know we, we are the product of genetics we know we are the product of our culture, and we know we are the product of God's creation. And uh, so we, we know those things. The, the one thing that stuck out to me is that, that Paul wasn't ostracized from his family. And the reason, yeah, the reason we know that is because he's still in contact with his nephew when he's arrested in Jerusalem. And so the, it, uh, it wasn't to where he w just wouldn't have anything uh, to do, the, the family I'm talking about, wouldn't have anything to do with a person that was ostracized. And why that he wasn't, uh, I have never heard it brought up before why he wasn't, because you would think uh, him turning to Christianity that he would have been ostracized uh, from the Jewish family. But... Uh, there's no evidence of, of that, that that I I know of. So that gives us some uh, idea. Now, do you do you guys want to say something uh, about maybe uh, Paul uh, childhood or even just thoughts that you might have uh, about him growing up and uh, what it meant to prepare him for the gospel? No. Okay, let's work on that. Okay, but you know, here's what here's what we 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 do look to have meaningful dialogue because that's really how we learn, and you will learn much more if you speak up. You just will. It just uh, goes with the uh, with the, with the area. Okay, so now uh, I want to look at uh, uh, Paul fighting for his. Apostleship. Now, that's what we want to look for in the first text. His apostleship and the gospel are on the line in Galatia, one of his churches, one of his churches. So we, we, we want to look at how he fought for his apostleship and how he fought for the gospel, okay? That's our first one. Oh, and in the future, who did I tell you? You know, I'm about... Paul, I think, is getting stale, okay? So, and we can always tell by how many people show up, too. Uh, <laughs> you know what I say about guests? 
yeah, after three days, they're like fish. After three days, they begin to stink. And uh, I hope Paul hasn't gotten that far with you yet. Okay. So, but I, I thought if, if, if we continue, and I assume we will uh, with Paul at least one more week after tonight, um, that we would try to get a l little better grasp of, of his, um, his uh, mission work, the three mission uh, that, that he went on. And also, I, I don't know whether I want to do this or not, but I think I need to explore whether there's one imprisonment or two imprisonments of Paul. And uh, I don't know whether I'll be up to discussing that intelligently on both sides, okay? Um, but uh, just it just come up again. I think it came up again, Daryl, in uh, uh, the chronology that you gave me. I think it came up again in there. Uh, so evidently who made that chronology sees him with two imprisonments. And I, I just probably better look at that uh, again. I, but if I can't make sense out of it, we'll just, you know, just, you know, I, I just have, just for the sake of, of easy, I, what I did is I just have the one imprisonment because that one's obvious. Okay, all right. All right, so let's uh, look at him as he fights uh, for, the gospel, and he fights for his apostleship as he writes uh, the, the Galatian. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. So something has happened to the church after Paul leaves it, and Paul hears about it, Something has happened to the church that they turned away from the gospel Paul preached to them, which is what gospel, he says? The gospel of grace. The gospel of the grace of uh, Christ. And uh, they, they, he's, he's surprised that they quit that gospel and took up another gospel. Uh, another way of being saved, okay? And we're going to explore this uh, when we, in our next point, too, with the Judaizers, which is really no gospel at all. How many gospels are there, guys? I mean, really, I mean, <laughs> thank you. Yeah. So uh, just to talk about it, you know, he's going to talk about another gospel, but is, is not, when he says it's, it's not a gospel, meaning it's not good news uh, because it doesn't do anything for you, not like uh, the gospel of grace does. Uh, Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. Now, so, so not only are they confusing people, but have you, do you get confused once in a while? Yeah, yeah, and you, you really have to discipline yourself and think your way through a, a, a lot of things like that. So you, you easily get confused, but the, but the real thing about it is they are like intentionally perverting that gospel. And so it just, it just isn't nice. They're, they're, they're not like not, people who are mistaken. Uh, they intentionally are trying to change the gospel for them. Okay, let's go to our next slide. But even if we or another angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let them be under God's curse. And this is a little bit different translation than, than, I, uh, than I used uh, at home. Uh, so the, what is he saying? 
let them be under God's curse. Now, that's where they are. Huh? Yeah, yeah, and uh, that'll come out later, too. Uh, it is a control thing, and he argues, uh, Paul is a genius in arguing for freedom. Just a genius at it, okay? Um, that's another subject to take up, but he is just a genius of what, what that freedom, freedom is. Right? As we have already said, so now I say again, if anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted, let them be under God's curse. So the, the, okay, Paul comes, he preaches the gospel, starts the church. After he leaves, here comes a group in and they've got a different gospel than Paul had. But these people must have some kind of authority that they're coming to the church or they couldn't get in the door with anything other than the gospel which they've already believed. So the, or do you smell Jerusalem here? <laughs> they, they, we'll work on that. We'll work on that, okay? We'll see, we'll see that a little later also tonight, okay, as, as Paul fight. Okay, but can you see how Paul's fighting for his apostleship here? He's the one who started the church. He's the one who preached the gospel originally to them. The, he's he's given them the gospel that they have believed. Okay. I'm uh, preaching. Am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. And what is he trying to say? I'm serving Christ and my apostleship is good. Uh, my apostleship is good. Okay, let's go to the next one. I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that the gospel I preach to you is not of human origin. Oh, my. Uh, he'll be more specific about this uh, later. Um, but he didn't get it. Uh, he didn't go to uh, Brooks Bible Institute and get the gospel. Uh, <laughs> By the way, that's a school I attended. Not a bad school either, okay? Uh, one of the schools I attended, okay. Uh, but, uh, so, but that's not where he got the gospel. I went to Brooks Bible Institute because I had the gospel and I wanted to make sense of it. Okay? There, there's, there's different reasons and ways to do things. Okay. Uh, many man... Nor was I taught it. Rather, I received it by revelation from Jesus Christ. One of the arguments against Paul being an apostle is uh, that he did not see Jesus in the flesh. 
I think that's what he's talking about here. Not seeing Jesus in the flesh, but getting it directly from Jesus Christ himself. And I think that's one of his arguments that he is an apostle. Um, For you have heard of my previous way of life in Judaism, how intensely I persecuted the church of God and tried to destroy it. I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people and was extremely zealous for the traditions of my father. Yeah, he was so zealous he would kill you. That's how zealous he is. He was, uh, he, he called it zeal here, but uh, he was such a fanatic. Well, he's such a fanatic for the gospel now. <laughs> he has to change his personality here. He's just as tough on one side as he is the other. Okay, uh, let me see, how far do we go with that? Oh, we go all the way to 23. I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that the gospel I preached is not of human origin. I did not receive it from any man. Or was I told? We already did that one, didn't we? Okay. But when, when God, who set me apart from my mother's womb and called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son in me so that I might preach him among the Gentiles. So he saw God dealing with him all the way, all the way through and preparing him to reveal his son as I might preach among the Gentiles. My immediate response was not to consult any human being. I did not go up to Jerusalem to see those who were apostles before I was, but I went to Arabia. Later, I returned to Damascus. And that's the time that he, he spent in, in the desert, uh, in the Arabian desert. That's where we get that. And it is somehow there that he got the gospel in terms of revelation. You understand that there's a difference between revelation and learning. Both of them are good. Both of them are good. Um, like you're, you're learning tonight. You're trying to learn tonight. You're, you're looking at the text. You're, you're comparing things. So, you, so you're trying to learn. But there's some things that you get directly from God that you understand directly from God. In, in your relationship with God, you learn some things that only come that way. Okay, some things you learn and some things you get by revelation. But the gospel, how does he say he got it? He didn't, yeah, he didn't go to Jerusalem to get it. And, you know, guys, it might have been difficult to get it in Jerusalem whenever he was saved. Yeah, I, it might have been. I, I don't know. We'll, work, we'll really work on that tonight. Okay, uh, all right, let me see. Then after three years, I, you know, one guy told me that that's the reason we, usually in a seminary, that you have a three-year schooling program. Yeah, and that's, <laughs> it looks like it, yeah. <laughs> We're following that tradition, you know, to take three years yeah, it takes three years to get something into you. Okay, we'll work at it, but we'll get it into you in three years. Okay, after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to get acquainted with Cephas and stayed with him for 15 days. I saw none of the other apostles, only James, the Lord's brother. So that's the, that's the two that he saw, and he saw him for 15 days when, when he was there in Jerusalem. I assure you before God that what I'm writing to you is no lie. 
then I went to Syria and Cilicia, and I was personally unknown to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. Now, the Judea, of course, that would be right around Jerusalem and in that area there. Uh, but he was not familiar with those churches. Wasn't familiar. Uh, they only heard the report. The man who formerly persecuted us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. So he's arguing for his apostleship and he's arguing for the gospel of grace. Uh, that something has gone wrong in the church. He thinks he knows what it is and he wants to fight for his apostleship. And you'll find this throughout, uh, um, especially Galatians, where, where he's questioned about whether uh, he is an apostle or not. And he says, I'm an apostle because what? I got the gospel straight from Jesus Christ. I didn't get it. Nobody taught it to me. Uh, I went to Jerusalem. I saw the leaders in Jerusalem. And Cephas, of course, that's Peter. I, I saw Peter... I saw the brother of Jesus, James, um, but I didn't get the gospel from them. That's not where I got it. Okay, now let's go as he fights Judaizers. Tonight we're going to fight things. Yeah, here we're going to fight Judaizers. These are the easiest guys to fight, by the way, uh, the Judaizers are. And that's who we think followed Paul around, like uh, to the Galatian church here. It looks clear to me that uh, what it is, is people would hear about Paul going someplace and starting a church, and he would start it with the gospel of grace, which we've already read. Then after he leaves, and here comes the Judaizers in, and uh, they just mess, they just muck things up. Uh, I'm, I think they do it intentionally, but I like to think they have a good heart. In other words, they think they're better. They're more right than Paul. And, and the, the reason we understand that Paul is right because of history and study and understanding uh, him that he stuck to the gospel of grace. Okay. Then after 14 years, I went up again to Jerusalem, this time with Barnabas. I took along Titus along also, and I went in response to the revelation and the meeting privately with those esteemed as leaders. Now, there's a question whether they're leaders or not. They're esteemed as leaders. I think he's uh, leaving that open to whether they're leaders or not. They're, they're esteemed as leaders. I presented to them the gospel that I preached among the Gentiles. I wanted to be sure... I was not running and had not been running my race in vain. Yet not even Titus, who was with me, was compelled to be circumcised, even though he was a Greek. Now, that's the illustration that he is correct in his gospel of grace because Titus slipped by and, and, and they didn't say, well, why isn't he circumcised? Uh, in other words, why isn't he following the law of Moses? And uh, that, we, we think that's the question. They wanted not only uh, for them to believe in Jesus, but also to follow the law of Moses. They, 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 they thought you, you needed to do that in order to keep yourself saved. Okay, we'll go to the next. Uh, uh, this matter arose because some of the false believers 
had infiltrated our ranks and spied on our freedom that we have in Christ Jesus and to make us slaves. Slaves to what? Yeah, slave of the law. Yeah. To, to, in other words, and, and I understand how easy that is to slip in that. Uh, because I think I, yeah, I told you, uh, when I was a young man and I had committed my life to Jesus Christ, I wanted some way to be sure I was on the right track. And I wanted some kind of a rule book someplace, you know, with at least 10 rules that if you follow these, you, you know, things will work out. You don't get that. All you get is your faith and your belief in Jesus. And, of course, we have the Bible to help us know what somebody else did, but still we are responsible ourselves. I'm sorry? Yeah, yeah, okay, good, good point, yeah. But you, you have to work that out. You, and, and later Paul say, you work out your own salvation in fear and trembling. You work it out. You figure that out. Okay. And, uh, of, of course, and did you see he touched on the word freedom here? Because in Christ, he sets us free. And that is just a, wonder, a wonderful subject to, to keep to make sure that you're free, okay? And you, you, test, you can test that every once in a while to see how free you are. Also to see what you're a slave to. Yeah, you can do that. Uh, whatever they, okay. Uh, we, did not give, we did not give in to them for a moment so that the truth of the gospel might be preserved for you. You know why Socrates is esteemed so much and why you hear about him even so much today? Because he died for what he believed in. And Jesus died for what he believed in. And Paul says, I'm willing to die for what I believe in. That sealed the deal. As for those who were held in high esteem, whatever... They were, makes no difference to me. God does not show favoritism. They added nothing to my message. He said, they did not add anything. Those Christians in Jerusalem had really a hard time understanding Jesus Christ. Let me tell you, okay. When Jesus left... When he left them, he, the, the words he gave them before he ascended into heaven, I'm talking about the book of Luke now, as he ascends into heaven, he says, you shall be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. Now, that's what he said. That was his instructions. We'll just call that his manual of what you're supposed to do. What did they do? stayed right in Jerusalem, and when you follow them, they are still connected with the temple because when you read of the miracle in the third chapter of the book of Acts, when you read about that miracle, you know where they healed a man, uh, whatever, I think it's Solomon's porch or whatever it was, they healed a, the lame man there. He starts jumping around there. It said they were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer. They were still governing their lives by the schedule of the temple. 
and you'll, you'll follow it. You'll see that time and time again. We'll see it later uh, here. They, they have a hard time of reaching out. When they first reach out, do, do you remember the cause of the reason they first reach out? Persecution forced them out of town. And one of the leading members that left and, and, and caught on to that was Philip. And he, he, he did great. Anyway, okay, let's go. Uh, favorite tip. They added nothing to his message. On the contrary, they recognized that I had been entrusted with the task of preaching the gospel to the uncircumcised just as Peter had been to the circumcised. Now that's quite a statement right there. In, it, in itself and, and who he's fighting. For God, who was at work in Peter as the apostle to the circumcised, was also at work in me as an apostle to the Gentiles. See him argue again? He's saying, I am an apostle. Different maybe, but I am an apostle. For, okay, uh... James, Cephas, and John, those esteemed as pillars, gave me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship. When they recognized the grace given to me, they agreed that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised. And I think they were glad to do it. Because <laughs> these bunch of Gentiles is pretty hard for them to take. And so they're, they're glad that somebody's out there doing it. We, we, we sense that maybe God wants us to do that, but it's dirty work, and you go ahead and do that, and we'll stay right here and take care of the, this Jewish uh, side of this thing. Okay, let's go to the next one. All they asked was that we should continue to remember the poor, the very thing I am eager to do all along. And we see that expressed in his life as well. Uh, I don't think we'll get to that tonight. Uh, but when Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. When he goes to Jerusalem, he looks to them as leaders. Now they're out in the Gentile world. He takes command. <laughs> I, I love this. Uh, and yeah, how would you like to tell Peter what, what to do? <laughs> I mean, this is gutsy. This is real gutsy. I mean, because he's, he's understood to be head of the church. Uh, he's understood that uh, he had, uh, anyway. Okay, uh, let me see. For before certain men came from James, uh oh does everybody know James? Yes. Yeah, we, we know James. Okay. And James is the one who writes the book of James. And you can see it reflected all through the book of, of James that his, he's so steeped in the law and he so understands the law. Uh, but anyway, uh, he used to eat with Gentiles. That's a big deal to go in the home of a Gentile and eat with a Gentile or to have a Gentile into your house and eat with a Gentile. That's a big deal. And what did he say about Peter? Before these guys came up from Jerusalem, Peter used to go in and, and fellowship with Gentiles. But now that his, the muckety mucks have got there, now that 
the, the big people from Jerusalem come to check on him, he withdraws fellowship and won't, won't have fellowship with them anymore. Uh, but when they arrived, he began to draw back and separate himself from the Gentiles because he was afraid of those who belonged to the circumcision group. Now, you already have a group who are in it. Okay, I mean, that's, they'll tell you uh, these Gentiles have to be circumcised, and of course, that is only the beginning. If they get, if they, if they get that done, then they, they will uh, uh, not only do circumcision, but you'll have to follow the law of Moses because that'll be drug in the door. Once, once, once the camel gets his nose in the tent, pretty soon the whole camel's in the tent. That's just, that just the way it works, okay? And, and, and Paul says, what? I opposed him. That's tricky business to discipline any brother, let alone Peter. Oh, it's a big deal. Yeah, Daryl. Yes. I guess. I get it. I. It was like he was using the keys of the kingdom there, and you because you had the same sign. Yeah. Okay. This. Now we all have theories. Okay. Now I'm I'm out in theory now. Okay. I'm going to put two and two together, hopefully come up with four. But if, if you listen to Simon Peter, as even if uh, Luke records him, when he explains the, the meeting at Cornelius' house, he just tells nuts and bolts what happened. We went there, we preached the gospel, and, and the Holy Spirit came down, and he just, he just repeats it. He doesn't theologize it. He doesn't get it internal. That's what I think it is. He doesn't get it in, in, internal and theologizing it at that point. He just does it, you know, it, it's almost like I did that. I went there. I had the vision. I went there. Okay, hey, that's it. He doesn't put it in, but, but Paul theologizes everything. And, and he labeled, of course, Paul labeled it the gospel of grace. He, he labeled it gospel grace. Okay. Uh, that, that, yeah, that's just a theory that I have. That he doesn't have a way to internalize that and theologize on it, although he can put it into practice now and again. Okay. Uh, the other Jews joined him in this hypocrisy so that by their hypocrisy, even Barnabas was led astray. Now, just think of that, because this is one of my heroes here. And Barnabas has stubbed his toe in this deal. Oh, my gosh, Barnabas, what are you doing? Oh, and this is the nicest guy that, that you would ever find. If you, if you get a Barnabas in your church, man, you've got something really good. You know, and what does he do? He, start, he becomes one of these Judaizers. Oh, Okay. When I saw that, they, they were acting in line with the truth of the, 
Let me see. When I saw they were not acting in line with truth, I thought there's something wrong there. <laughs> I said to Cephas, in front of them all, <laughs> you are a Jew, yet you live like a Gentile and not like a Jew. Well, he had made, made some progress along the way. Uh, yeah. How is it then that you force Gentiles to follow the Jewish customs? How is it that you do that? They didn't work for you? You really expect it to work for them? No. 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 Uh, let me see. We who are Jews by birth and not sinful Gentiles know that a person is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So we too have put our faith in Christ that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law, because by the works of the law, no one, no one will be justified. And see how he theologizes the whole thing? He thinks it through, and it makes sense to him. And that's why he does so good. Uh, but if in seeking to be justified in Christ, we Jews find ourselves also among the sinners, doesn't that mean that Christ promotes sin? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Uh, let's go to the next slide. If I rebuild what I destroyed, then I really would be a lawbreaker. What, what did he destroy? The idea of the law being salvation. That, that's what he destroyed. Okay. For, though the, for through the law, I died to the law so that I might live for God. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Isn't that great lines there? Man, that's great writing there. That's, that nutshell right there, if you just keep that, you've really got something of, of value there. Uh, I do not set aside the grace of God for if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. And he just nails it right there. When Jesus dies, what is it that he died for? Uh, what happened when Jesus died? If that's what happened, then if, if, he, if he secured salvation for us, then it is salvation by grace. He dies in our place. He dies for us. And if that is not true, just logically, then Christ died for nothing. What, what in the world did he die for? Okay. No, no. Um, I, th I think Paul gives them that. I, th I think that is, is, will give them, in other words, he says sinner, sinners like Gentiles or Gentile sinners. Uh, I, I think he gives them that as it just, you know, trying to soften that language a little bit, uh, but no. We, we work in this country. I know we, we make mistakes, that kind of, but we work in this country to, to get people to treat other people as equal. And when, when, when the Declaration of Independence was penned, I mean, that was just out of sight wonderful. Yeah, there's a long history to getting it there, and I know that, okay? Well, we said that God creates all men equal. That is, that is a great thing 
to say. It's a, it's a, and maybe we don't live up to that perfectly, but we're working on it. We, this country is actually working on that. And it's important for us to get. But many of past, and dare say many today, do not see that as the truth, okay? And the problem is God's umbrella of salvation is always bigger than we can admit or that we are able to see. Can you see what I mean? That God's umbrella of salvation, including the Gentiles, was more than the Jew could make him, himself to believe. And you'll see this every once in a while. It'll stick its head up in the Old Testament. Uh, one I love uh, is uh, uh, Jonah. Jonah is a prophet of God. And, and as far as I know, a, a, a great man. As far as I don't know, but he's a prophet. And God tells him to go preach in Nineveh. And he later will say, why? We might. And what does he do? He goes the opposite direction. Why doesn't he want to go to Nineveh? He's a prophet of God. He's got a message from God to give to deliver. Why doesn't he want to go to Nineveh? Most, he didn't think that. Why didn't he think they deserved it? They're Gentile, yes. They're not equal. His tent of understanding God's salvation does not include Nineveh. And God's trying to get him out of his comfort zone and, and go over there. And he says later, he says, I knew you were a God who forgives. I knew. And what is he saying? I thought you might save him, and that's why I didn't want to go. Yeah, thought you might save him, and that's why I didn't want to go. And later God tells him when he's complaining about being in the sun too long and his shade is gone, he says, how many thousands of people there are in Nineveh didn't know their right hand from their left and you're, you seem to be more, more concerned about you being in the sun for a while than all those people perishing. Thank God they were saved, amen? But you'll see that every once in a while in the Old Testament. Oh, here's another one, just, just for random speak. Ruth, by the way, <laughs> we got namesake here. Just Ruth. Just think about Ruth for a minute. She's a Moabite. They made fun of Moabites all the time. You know where they started. You know where their what their background is. We all know about Moabites. But look at here. What she waltzes into waltzes into Israel. Boom. She's a hit already. How can she be accepted like that? Why should she be accepted like that? Okay. Well, I mean, she's a Gentile. Well, no. She got by. She snuck by while they weren't looking. <laughs> okay. Um, but th th that's the problem we're facing here. Yeah. Now, wait a minute. If Jesus had that problem... You know, remember his problem, you know, oh, you eat with sinners. Yeah, you spend time with sinners, and you talk to women, too. No, no, no decent rabbi would ever talk to a woman. He'd be more apt to talk to a jackass than to a woman. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's the way they said it. 
Why? Their umbrella of salvation did not reach that far. Now, you, we've just read this one here where they want to limit that to Jews. In other words, they, they want Gentiles to start masquerading as Jews and then you can be saved because their tent is not big enough for all, okay? If that's true, um, go ahead, Mike. Yes, yes. And what I want us to start thinking about for us, if that is true then, and we just looked at some pretty good time ago and whether that, where that was true, it is true today where you are and I am. I, I just want you to try and think about that is, remember, God's tent's bigger than you can, God's tent of salvation is bigger than you can see. Okay, and it, it is that way all along. I'm not, I can't see very good. What, what time is it? I got 12 minutes. Okay, now we want to look at the Gnostic. Now this, look, I, I know it's slow and I hope I don't put you to sleep with this stuff, okay? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Let's look at the Gnostic idea in the early church, okay? What, What's one of the first ones which we just dealt with, the, the first real danger for the church in its beginning was that you will become a sect of Judaism. And you saw that clearly, okay? They're still stuck to the temple and they're worried about whether people are circumcised or not, okay? So, in, and if you follow those rules, what, what are you? Probably just a sect of Judaism because they didn't have any interest, on, well, they didn't have any interest uh, of making a church because they were still going to the temple. All right. So, and, and of course, we had that with, with Paul. Now, here Paul's going to get uh, the problem that the Corinthian church is having. And he's going to be the doctor, and he will diagnose the problem. Okay. All right. I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another in what you say and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly united in mind and thought. Now, he's arguing for unity. That's what he's arguing for here. <clears throat> and that's what he continues to argue through the text. Now, we'll read on a little further. Some people have raised the question that he don't understand that it is what's causing the disunity is the Gnostic belief is creeping into the church. An argument is how early did that start to happen, okay? And I'm suggesting that it's already started in the Corinthian church and Paul doesn't really catch that. Uh, if he did, he'd have took a little different tack on how he dealt with them because he's just going to talk about unity. Okay, uh, and let me show you. My brothers and sisters, some, okay, perfectly united. My brothers and sisters, some from Cephas' household have, oh, yeah, Chloe's, okay. Chloe, Chloe's household, that's who, who told him. Chloe's household have informed me that there are quarrels among you. 
What I mean is one of you says, I follow Paul. Another, I follow Apollos. Another, I follow Cephas. And still another, I follow Christ. Now, when you look at this, you say, well, there's divisions in the church. And uh, uh, you know, first liar never has a chance. Now, once you, okay, always, if you hold your tongue, always wait till the last to tell the lie, because you always tell a bigger lie than the other guy has. That's what they do. Okay. So here you have, you know, somebody show, shows up and says, well, I follow Paul. Well, I follow Apollos. And the other said, well, well, I follow Peter. And then another says, one-ups them all. <laughs> well, I follow Christ. <laughs> now, that's where you, I would read that for the first time. I would read that, okay? But why didn't he say Jesus Christ? Or why did he say, I follow Jesus? What did he say? I follow Christ. And, uh, when, and what, I'm, what I'm thinking is, this is a group in there that is Gnostic. And if, if you're familiar at all with Gnostic, Gnostics believe that all matter substance is evil. So to them, Jesus in the flesh would be evil. And so he can't be that. So he has to be this Christ, this spirit, or aberration. I mean, however you would explain that he's not matter is, is what they, that they would work at that, okay? Now, if you start down that road, it always sounds good. You know, I'm spiritual. I'm spiritual. Inside, my spirit has been cleansed, and I'm clean inside. That, that all sounds good. And it's like, oh, this flesh of mine is really troublesome and sinful and aggravating and all that goes along with that. Well, where's that going to take you? Just stop think, where's that going to take you? So one guy says, well, since spirit's good, matter's evil, and they don't mix. It doesn't matter what I do. I can do whatever. My spirit's good. Once you start dividing humans and what we are up, this gets really tricky. The other one is, that's one direction that people go with this, okay? The other direction that people would go uh, with, with this is, the flesh is terrible, and I got to, get it under control. And these are the people who walk down the street flogging themselves on the back and beating themselves up because we don't like anything that has to do with the physical body of a human being. Right? That's what would happen. You'll see this in the church. Roman Catholics don't believe that you can be a leader in the church and have sex with somebody. So they develop what they call celibacy. Well, what is it? I mean, why pick on that? Ultimate expression of being a human being. 
And if you, if you hate the flesh and all what goes along with it, you're surely going to hate any activity like that. So, but I'm just telling you, it takes you down the, all the wrong roads if you start down that road, that my spirit is good and my flesh is evil. Once you start down that one, bad. I like what Jesus said. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Well, if it's so weak, we can boss it around. And you can. You most certainly can. You can boss it around. You can make it do what you want it to do. To a limit, you know, but <laughs> to a limit. But okay. Uh, so what, what I'm suggesting here is what you have started in the church at Corinth, which is the first inkling we have of Gnosticism creeping into the church. Okay? And it doesn't really get a good foothold, especially in the first century. Oh, have you heard about the uh, Gnostic Gospels? Comes out of this strain. But you don't get them till the end of the first century. So you got, you, you got the Gospel of Mark out there being circulated pretty, pretty good, but way before any of these uh, Gnostic Gospels get out there. It's the Gospel of Thomas and that kind of thing. In the Gnostic Gospel, you would have the boy Jesus getting a clay bird, making a clay bird, and he make it fly off, fly away. Yeah, oh yeah, it's really weird stuff, okay? I think it's strange stuff, okay? But just be, be, be aware that there's that strain in, in the church, okay? And you want to stay away from it, that as far as possible, okay? And, oh, it's, it, the, on the Jewish side, all Jews really live this life. You know, you say what you want. You now we've been bad mouthing a lot of that, but but Jews really live this life, and they'll live it to the fullest. Yeah, on their big Passover meal, you, there's a place in the Passover meal where you drink four glasses of wine. And you wonder why these guys went to sleep on Jesus after the Passover meal? No. We know what happened to them, guys. Those, but if you drink four glasses of wine at a meal, that's a job. And these are people who live life. They didn't have any problem with that. And neither should we. Okay. Live your, I'm not talking, trying to talk you into drinking. Now I'm just pointing that out. That's okay. <laughs> Joey, what do you say about that? Jesus created 160, 180 gallons of wine from water. We've been trying to turn the wine back into water. Us Baptists have been trying to turn the wine back into water ever since. Okay. <laughs> I thought that was a good one. <laughs> okay. All right. Let me see. WC, we got a couple of minutes. Let's see if we can get our the lazy people in Thessalonica. Ooh, we got a lot. To, we'll see. See if we can't get the, this done in a couple of minutes, okay? I'm sorry? Oh, I'm, 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 I don't know if I can even read real quick, okay? Uh, for we I, I did not eat any, any food. <laughs> On the contrary. <laughs> What'd you say? <laughs> <laughs> no, I was just reading it because I there okay, let's go through the next one. The next one, the, the next slide, okay. There's a statement in here that says, if you don't work, you don't eat. 
You know what? You, you, do, you seen that one coming, did you, Jerry? Okay. If you don't work, you don't eat. Well, why would you have to tell the church that? What would make them think that they don't have to work anymore? This, and by the way, uh, this is the second letter Paul ever wrote here. First and second Thessalonians are the first writing that he made. So this is really early on in his ministry, really early on in the church history. This is really early on. And, and the thing of it is they were preaching about the second coming of Jesus Christ, and they, and by golly, Paul could preach that pretty good too. Now here, what, what happened is they got to think, well, we don't have to worry about tomorrow. We don't have to worry about next year. Lord's coming back right away. And so uh, we'll just quit work because I've been one to tell that boss, take this job and shove it for a long time. <laughs> and so now they get to do it. And so, and so, uh, uh, so we, we just quit working and we eat on the church. Church will, will help people out that doesn't have food or money or anything. And Paul said, no, something wrong there. I think so. I think so. Yeah, you 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 have you you have the big one. Yeah, I think it's a uh, the fifth chapter of Acts where Ananias and Sapphira. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you had that, and also I want to remind you that's not terribly long after that. All them people are starving to death down there in Jerusalem. Bad decision. Poor decisions. Okay, and here uh, in, this, in this text here, I don't know which one it is. Go to the next slide and see if that's it. Such uh, people we commend to you. Uh, the one who is unwilling to work shall not eat. Right there it is. Okay, verse 10. The one who is unwilling to work shall not eat. Oh, <laughs> it was just a movie. It's, it's a silly, I know it's a silly movie, uh, but... They were cleaning bricks, and you clean so many, you know, you get paid by the brick or whatever it was, a motorcycle guy, and the gal was riding along with him, and, and he, was, he cleaned bricks and got him a few eggs, to, and she hadn't cleaned a brick. And, and he's about ready to eat his eggs. He's fried, and she says, well, I'd like to have one of them. said, no, you didn't work. And when you don't work, you don't eat. And that's what Paul tells them. You, no, you can't, you can't baby these people. They're lazy people. And, they, and they, they look for an excuse not to go to work and not to work, okay? And if, if you buy their lunch for them, they lack the motivation to get out and do their own. So, and then they want what you want. Oh, absolutely. That's why they want to eat on your dime. Yeah. I know it sounds awful cruel, but you got to put this stuff out there. But I think it comes out of that idea that Lord's coming back, and so we don't have to take care of ourselves. Okay, that's it. That's it for tonight. We did we did pretty well cover. Let's ask the Lord to bless us. Lord, we pray that we create more light than heat, and that we're able to understand how you work in times past with your people. And Lord, if we can understand that, we might understand how you're working with us today. 
We ask you to bless our lives with your presence, to bless our lives with your power, but most of all, that you bless our lives with your love and that we learn to give it away. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen.